welcome back to another episode of the Cycling Tips Nerd Alert podcast. I'm your host, James Huang. It's the week of April 26th, 2021, and we are back with another deep dive show where we get into some nitty gritty details on a single subject. And when I say we, I suppose I should say I, since Kaylee Fretz is still on paternity leave and I've decided to give the rest of the tech crew, that being Dave Rome, Zach Edwards, and Ronan McLaughlin, a break this week. As for what we'll be talking about today, you're likely already quite aware that a lot of technology goes into the hard goods in cycling, like the bikes, the frames, the wheels, the group sets, and so on. But how much thought have you given to what goes into the clothing that you wear when you head out for a ride? And in particular, the fabrics that a lot of those pieces of apparel are made of. After all, if you look at the tag on a jersey, for example, it might say something like it's, you know, 96% polyester and 4% elastane or something like that. But how do different types of fabrics help a particular jersey keep you warm when it's warm outside or cool when it's hot outside? How many different kinds of technical fabrics are out there? And how do apparel brands figure out what they want to use? To help answer all of these questions, I called up two experts in the field. First up is Karen Beatty, the product marketing manager for PolarTech, who produces some of the most cutting edge textiles currently being used in cycling apparel, and will help us understand some of the ins and outs of performance fabrics. Karen, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. I am actually really excited to pick your brain about fabrics. Cool. So I have noticed over the last few months that a lot of my favorite cycling apparel, um, in addition to being, you know, cut well and, you know, being made of nice colors and stuff like that, whatever, I've noticed that a lot of them actually use fabrics that come from Polar Tech and to be completely honest with you, I haven't really paid a huge amount of attention to fabrics that are used in cycling clothing, but I am now just because recently I've, they've, they've sort of come across as being particularly good. Um, so uh, thanks for for being on the show, and uh, I guess it'll be it'll be really cool to find out kind of what makes all this stuff good from Polartech's perspective. Um, the first thing I want to ask you is. How exactly are the needs of cyclists different from other sports in terms of kind of clothing requirements? I mean, is, is, is designing for kind of a highly aerobic activity like cycling harder than a non-aerobic sport, or is it just different? Okay. Um, well, first off, thank you for the compliment. Um, Polar Tech appreciates it. We work pretty hard at designing performance fabrics that solve problems for, for the people who wear them. Um, you know, we like we like nothing better than to have people go out in our fabrics, in, in garments made with our fabrics, and have them thoroughly enjoy their day and, and not think about what they're wearing because something about their garment was distracting. So it means a lot to us. Thanks for the compliment. Um, as far as your question goes, I think that from a basic human uh, physiological standpoint, uh, a lot of the needs are the same. Um, we have the we have the same basic human comfort levers. So uh, we have to manage cold. We have to manage heat, body moisture, whether that's uh, body moisture vapor or sweat. Um, we have to figure out what to do with it. We have to deal with contact points in our sports. Um, contact points for cycling would be like chafing and pressure. And, and I, th I think that um, the fabric choices are, are kind of how you manage that and, and all the little levers that you have within those fabric choices. From a, from a physiological standpoint, 
what's going on with your body in cycling, aside from pressure point differences, is kind of similar to other aerobic sports, say, say running, for example, you know, you're getting hot or, or you're starting out cold um, or you're dripping in sweat. So, so managing all that is similar. Um, I think where, where you really get into definition, uh, sports specific definition um, is the choice of what fabrics um, and garment, garment design, what to put where, like choices like, uh, like, like a chamois for, for cycling are kind of specialized to that sport. Uh, and, and certain de uh, garment design features would be different. So uh, in cycling, because you're spending so much time um, bending over, you know, um, cycling tops usually have longer tails uh, in the back, so you, your top doesn't ride up. Those sort of design features, I, I think that's really where you get into, into sports-specific differentiation, what fabrics you choose and how you tailor the, the garments to serve the needs of of uh, the athlete. Okay. Well, I guess, you know, to put it in just kind of simpler terms, I suppose, I mean, you know, we're recording this right now. It's toward the end of March, you know, here in Colorado, there's uh, the winter weather variability is pretty high. Um, my guess is, you know, you said you're in New Hampshire and you're probably still in winter, I think. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, so, so right now, for example, I mean, the, the primary goal is to, to stay warm and ideally with not a huge amount of layers, not a whole lot of bulk or thickness. Um, but like you said, you also need to, to, to manage heat and manage moisture so that you don't overheat and so that you don't end up dripping in sweat so that, you know, when you start going downhill or something, for example, you don't get cold then at the same time. So in that sort of scenario, how do you solve all those problems? And I mean, there is a particular fabric that I know that PolarTech has that has done a really good job of that actually. So um, I'm curious how you solve those problems and then sort of what you physically do in the fabric to figure all that out. We have a bunch of, of levers we can pull, buttons we can push in fabric design. You've got fiber choice, uh, different Fibers have different physical characteristics, uh, whether that's strength or moisture retention. You have yarn sizes and shapes. Um, they can do things for you as far as uh, wicking and moving moisture. Uh, there's knitting, the, the physical structures that, that you construct when you knit the fabric. Uh, there's surface finishing, so raised surface finishing, creating pile, raised pile, which holds garments up off the skin um, and provides places for warm air entrapment. You know, the, you, you can get, uh, air is a very efficient insulator. Um, so we use it a lot in polar tech fabrics um, to give you warmth without weight. There's some chemistries you can use to, to give you certain uh, characteristics, water resistance, um, either for protection or, for, or to hasten dry, dry times. Um, so we, you can kind of use all those levers in constructing a fabric and you just kind of look at the problem that you're trying to solve. You know, for instance, you laid out cycling in the cold. So protection from the cold is important. So at Polar Tech, a lot of times we use uh, raised surface finishing. It's kind of our core competency. You know, most people, a lot of people think of Polar Tech as a fleece company uh, and that's definitely where we cut our teeth, um, made our mark, um, but we've expanded our range a lot since then. And really good warmth without weight from surface finishing would be a really good place to start. And, and, and then fiber choice is part of it. It's, it, it's, it's a whole bunch of different things. 
So to get into a specific example, I mean, when I think of cold weather, the, the sort of the fabric that comes to mind for me right away um, has been this Polartec Alpha that you all okay. came up with. And that in particular, I mean, I know the first time that I saw that, the thing that I noticed first and foremost was kind of just how like super fuzzy it is. Like it, it almost kind of felt like you were like, you know, putting on fur. Um, mm -hmm. So in my experience, I mean, it's not necessarily a material that kind of you know blocks wind or anything like that. It's not really, it doesn't seem meant to be an outer layer necessarily. But in my experience, it seems to be exceptionally good at kind of re just retaining heat, just insulating. So how exactly does it do that? And how do you make that stuff? So it starts with uh, yarn choice in, in the case of Alpha, um, we're using polyester. It is a, a good, strong fiber. Uh, we use recycled polyester as an input to all of our Alpha fabrics. In fact, the vast majority of the fabrics that we make use recycled materials. And we construct those in, in sort of a unique construction to PolarTech where we can knit, knit structures that are inherently maximizing the amount of, of raised pile that you get on it and minimizing the amount of, of mesh or connectivity of, of that pile. So what, what you end up getting is, is a lot of fuzzy, furry, um, structure that, that you refer to that's really comfy and cozy, it, it, it will entrap a lot of air um, in, you know, in a static environment like under a shell and, and give you a ton of warmth uh, with very little weight because we've kind of minimized the, you know, the mesh that, that connects it all. And, and because it's such an, an open and airy structure, if you take away the shell, unzip a zipper, that, that sort of thing, um, all of a sudden, you have a, tons of airflow that moves through it, and that helps get body moisture, vapor, excess heat stress away from your body and gives you those comfort factors. So you're kind of balancing um, balancing the objectives of, of giving yourself protection from, from the cold environment, but acknowledging that, that you're building up a lot of heat internally, and sometimes the, the most comfortable thing is to get that out. So you can, you can balance that you know, most often through layering. Um, choosing choosing different fabrics to do different things for you. Okay. Depending on what you need. Um, I mean, is it possible? You know, you, you keep mentioning this 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 idea of you know having different levers to pull depending on the situation. So if I'm understanding correctly, I mean, PolarTech Alpha is sort of like a it, it's sort of like a preset configuration for for this fabric. If if someone wanted to design a cycling fabric, a cycling garment that was extra, extra warm. Like, is there something warmer than alpha? Is like, is there like an alpha plus or like, like, are there different layers of alpha? Like, like, how does that work? Like, can you get like a super mega fuzzy alpha? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, we can. In, in fact, we have those fabrics available in our high loft collection. So we can go, we can go pretty thick and pretty fuzzy without, without adding very much weight. Yeah. You, you can dial these things in a, a lot of different ways, pull all those levers and, and, come up with with whatever end result you're looking for okay on the flip side how do you how do you manage to keep someone cool when it's really sure. hot outside especially when it's humid outside and you know those conditions make it difficult for perspiration to evaporate so uh yeah you you've totally sort of uh spun the coin around on the other side so the things that you want to try to avoid doing in cold weather are the things you want to do in in hot humid weather so one fabric that Polar Tech has that's particularly good at, at 
helping you stay comfortable in, in hot weather or, or indoors for that matter uh, is Polar Tech Delta. And I know you've had some experience with that. That it's fabric am- was it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, that's, um, that's a personal favorite of mine. It was actually kind of um, a, uh, a personal crusade. I hate the feeling of having fabric, st- of having your shirt stick to your back in the summertime when you hide. It just drives me nuts. So we went after Polar Tech Alpha as a solution to that problem to make you more comfortable uh, when, you, when it's hot. Delta, um, you mean? Sorry, did I say Alpha again? You did. That's okay. <laughs> I know you meant. It's okay. Yeah, the Delta fabric. Um, so, so what we did is we basically, um, we, we looked at sort of a biomimicry play. We, we looked at how our bodies keep us cool and what we found out or, or, you know, what we learned along the way was that the single biggest way our bodies dump excess heat is with evaporative cooling. It's, it's the reason why we sweat when we get hot. As that sweat dries, heat is lifted up off of our body and you know that's the process of evaporative cooling. So we designed a fabric that would amplify your body's natural response to, to, to getting hot and manage that sweat in the most effective way possible. So we've got kind of a, a balance of fibers going on. We have a, a hydrophobic fiber, one that does not get wet. So it will stay open and breathable, mixed in with a hydrophilic fabric uh, fiber one that will get wet and hold sweat on your skin so that as it dries, you, you benefit from, from the highest level of cooling possible. So it's, it's, it's a balance. And I've, I've um, at times worn a cotton, sweat, uh, cotton t-shirt um, on a hike uh, because I like the feeling of feel, on a summer hike because I, I like the feeling of being wet and cool while hiking in the summer, but you have to be when you get to the top, lots of times you have to have a shirt to change into because once you're just hanging around at the top and it's colder, um, you'll need to uh, you need to get rid of that moisture really quickly. So you have, you have to change into top. So um, Delta was kind of like a how, how do you balance those objectives of of using the moisture for evaporative cooling, but not letting it get too high so that you're uncomfortable because you're cold when you're you know when you're cycling down the hill finally or if the weather changes on you, um, or you're done with your, you're done with your, your, your workout and, and then just post, post-workout chill sets in. So it's, it's like a balance of yarns where you put them, adding a little bit of physical texture to the, to the structure so that it's less likely to cling to you. That all sort of, it, it's, all, it's all part of, of why Delta is a, a pretty cool experience. Kind of funny because I mean, historically, whenever I have looked at a lot of cycling clothing that is meant for hot and humid weather, for example, um, you know, the story has always been like, you know, pull moisture away from the body, pull moisture away from the body. Mm -hmm. And with, with this Delta, I feel like it was, it, it immediately struck me as a little bit different because part of the story behind it was, you know, kind of, as you mentioned, I mean, there is that hydrophilic element to it, but also an intentional hydrophobic element. I mean, it's kind of. How how did someone come across the idea at Polar Tech that instead of just following this paradigm that's been in place for so long of just trying to like super aggressively pull moisture away the skin or from right. the skin, you know, how did it come about that someone had the ideas like, you know, actually, if you retain a little bit of moisture, that works better? Um, I'd, I'd say it's uh, it, it's part experience based. We do a lot of field test stuff 
part biomimicry based. I mean, we, we sweat for a reason. Um, it's on our skin for a reason. And quick wicking fabrics do, do definitely have a place. Um, we have some in our line. Um, you know, we kind of have the, 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 the other side of, of the shirting covered with Polar Tech Power Dry, which are quick wicking, fast drying fabrics. Those would definitely excel uh, when it's cold, when, when moisture is a, a definite negative. You want to get rid of it quickly, but it, 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 it's not a negative. It can be a positive uh, in hot weather or, or indoors. So it, it was kind of managing, you know, when, when, you, when you have quick wicking, fast drying fabrics, you sort of, you do have evaporative cooling, but it happens really quickly, which, which depending on, on where you are, your environmental conditions, it can be uncomfortable. Um, that sort of flash drying can be uncomfortable. Um, so that's something that we were hoping to manage. And then the other thing is, is that um, when your, your garments dry really quickly, you have to continue to sweat to re-wet them to benefit from more evaporative cooling. And uh, I'll just share some anecdotal evidence. Uh, one of our early field testers with Polar Tech Delta, I, I knew we had, you know, we had something, something good here when he reported back that he was in love with the fabric. He was a cyclist. He was absolutely in love with, his, with this fabric because he actually got to drink his water in his water bottle versus having to re-wet his jersey um, <laughs> periodically while he was riding in order to stay cool in the summertime. So that, that's why he liked Delta, because he could actually drink his water um, instead of just dumping it on his back. How funny. I mean, I guess that makes sense because I think a lot of people listening to this podcast uh, have, if, you know, if you've ridden in hot weather, I mean, probably a lot of us have done exactly that, taken water mm -hmm. in our bottles and dumped it on top of ourselves. And I guess it almost seems at that point that, you know, obviously that's a lot of water that you're dumping yourself. But I guess the key is, I suppose, if you just have a like just enough water retained in the fabric, that I guess that's sort of the magic formula to, to kind of have that evaporative cooling effect. Is that right? Yeah. And, and to, to have it be sustained, not, not, you know, just strong enough, you know, not get overloaded too, um, so that you're subject to, to wet, clammy feelings. So it's a balance. Okay. Uh, how much does biomimicry really play into all of this? Because, I mean, like I said before, Polar Tech Alpha, it's, it's super mega fuzzy. I mean, it, it, like I said, it, it struck me immediately as sort of being like fur. And mm -hmm. then um, this Polar Tech Delta, it seems like it's just sort of like really efficient skin almost, I guess. So, I mean, is that sort of is that the sort of thing where where your designers and engineers are actively looking at nature to get ideas and concepts for how to make performance fabrics better? Uh, I think they do in some respects. I think the the primary way we we kind of gain insights about um, improvements needed and and what sorts of performance people athletes are looking for is, is probably through a, a lot of direct discussion with our customers where uh, we have some really great relationships with our customers. Um, you know, a lot of the brands that, that people know and recognize have athlete advisory boards um, that, that um, kind of speak to the needs of, of 
the different sports they cater to. And, and they often come to Polar Tech with, with the problems that they're having. Um, and that's really what we like to do is to solve, you know, solve problems through textiles. Uh, so I'm kind of curious then, as, as far as how the process of developing fabrics go in the process of, of choosing different fabrics for clothing. If, if a cycling clothing company comes to you and says, you know, we are looking to make X, you know, and, and we're hoping that it can have kind of like, you know, Y characteristics. What happens from there? I mean, do you sort of just like, do you sort of just like look in the catalog of what you have existing right now? And like, if, you know, if something, if you have something that works, you, you kind of just make a recommendation, like, you know, you could go with this or, mm -hmm. How often do you end up doing some sort of fully custom project with someone where, you know, if someone has a specific request, then, you know, let's say, let's say, you know, I'm looking for a fabric that, you know, retains a lot of warmth, but also has some sort of like, you know, windproof layer on it. And, you know, maybe also can, can add some sort of DWR coating or something. How, how does, how does that work? Um, kind of goes both ways. Uh, we have, lots of interactions where we have ready-made solutions to the problem statements. Uh, we have a pretty large line, uh, over 400 fabrics, um, a complete layering system from next to skin to insulation out to weather protection. So we can pretty much cover anything you can think of that, that you'd want to put on your body. So in a lot of cases, we have a ready-made solution sitting there. So it's, it's sitting down and listening to a customer, hearing what their problems are and being familiar with our line and, and how it might offer a solution to those problems. And, and then in other circumstances, uh, we might be close to a ready-made solution uh, in our line, uh, maybe just off by a tweak or two. And we can do uh, you know, kind of a faster track development, if you will, and, and customize something, um, starting with an open line platform and then customize it to, um, to, to better get at the solution. And then other things are, are full on, longer timeline, uh, don't have a solution, need a solution. Um, you, you're pretty much starting from scratch and, and those developments are, are longer term, um, could be multiple years before they come to market. So all different levels of, of interactions, a lot of them are all taking place at the same time. So uh, it's, it's uh, kind of exciting, a little bit chaotic, um, <laughs> but it's, it's pretty cool. One thing I want to ask you about is when you have a, a garment, whether it be a casual garment or a performance garment, whatever, mm -hmm. you know, you look at that tag, and it just says, you know, 100% cotton, 100% polyester, you know, you had a little percentage of elastane or nylon or whatever. That doesn't really tell you a whole lot. And like, again, you keep talking about this, this concept of levers that you can pull in different variables. Mm -hmm. yep. when, you, when you were looking at, like, let's just, let's just say you were looking at just something made out of polyester. Mm -hmm. How much variability can you have in that fabric? I mean, how many levers do you actually have at your disposal to pull? Like, you know, what, what can you change? What can't you change? I mean, how, how crazy can you get? You have a lot. Um, you know, you've got uh, the actual structure that you're going to knit or weave that fiber into. You know, structures can convey certain benefits. Um, we have a structure called Polar Tech Power Grid, where 
We, um, we knit a, a fabric with a smooth face, which facilitates quick drying, easy layering, uh, and then have raised pillars of fabric on the inside, which are the touch points to your skin. That sweat would travel up. And, and then those pillars create valleys in between where warm air can resi reside and, and also opens up the fabric construction for breathability and quick drying. So, you know, yeah, sure, it, it might just be all polyester. Or maybe we add a little bit of spandex to get some more stretch into it. But because we knit it with, you know, certain physical characteristics, it does things for you that that flat surface knit would not have done for you. You know, higher warmth weight ratio, quicker dry time, that, that sort of thing. You know, there's there's mass. How much of that polyester are you going to put in the textile? Um, I think when uh, consumers you know derive a lot of benefit when you know when you're shopping for a winter jacket and you pick it up, oh, this one's heavy, this one's light. Um, you know, I make some assumptions that the heavier one's going to keep me warmer. You know, so just I mean, physical mass can tell you a lot about what's likely to go on. Yeah, you know, there's. There's a bunch of different things you can do, um, not to mention the uh, aesthetic aspect, how to, how to make things appealing to people, whether that's through texture or color, that all, that, that very much comes into, into textile development. People, when people put things on, they want to look good. <laughs> so, uh, so that all factors into, so you kind of have to make sure that, that you're checking as many, as many of these boxes as possible. You just can't pursue pure performance a lot of times um, because if it comes out really ugly um, or you know it, it or, or or very expensive, um, you know, very few people are going to want it. So my my recollection of, of Polar Tech, I guess, goes back pretty far. I mean, I still I, I know I I can have this little collection of sort of like enamel pins that I've collected from different trade shows and stuff like that. <laughs> And I, don't, I actually don't know if you even still use this logo, but I, I have this one that's like, you know, the little white polar bear. Oh, the and, polar bear. Yeah. And it's, it's gotta be 15, maybe even 20 years old or something like that. It just, I, I yeah. remember getting it just absolutely ages ago. Um, <laughs> so, so I know like, you know, when you talk about how polar tech is kind of best known for fleece, I mean, I remember when fleece was sort of like this new thing that like, it's like, oh, this is, you know, kind of wonder material. And, you know, polar tech has obviously, obviously had a bunch of, hits a bunch of really successful textiles that, that I can remember over the years. I don't know how long you've been at Polar Tech, but can you, can you think of any examples of a textile that Polar Tech has developed that maybe internally someone thought like, oh, this stuff is absolutely amazing, like, you know, completely going to be revolutionary, so on and so forth. Can you think of any examples of something like that, that kind of wasn't really very well received, at least in the cycling market for whatever reason? I mean, has, have you made anything that sort of was a flop? I, I, I honestly can't think of a flop. Um, I'm trying not to go that far. Uh, usually things blow up in development, you know, wh whether that's uh, durability or, or some sort of failure. I, I think that, you know, we've certainly had things that maybe didn't do as well as, as someone thought they were going to do. Uh, and it, it's usually when, if we didn't offer a textile that was multifunctional enough, that that can be a reason. It, it, you know, it might have it might have looked really good on on one measurement in the lab, but the whole package wasn't pleasing. You know, aesthetically, uh, maybe um, or whatnot. Um, 
I think probably those single factor textiles would would probably rank up there and in less those those lesser attractive ones. I think the more boxes you can check so that the fabric you're making is is kind of more well-rounded. Um, it, it offers sort of multifaceted performance and is sort of generically pleasing, not alienating. Maybe you like stripes, but I only like checks, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, we sell a lot of solids. It's very predictable. <laughs> <laughs> very safe. You know, I've, I've had lots of designers like, but, you know, say, but we want, you know, certain kinds of textures. It's like, hmm, they can be alienating. Um, <laughs> <laughs> exciting or alienating, it, it depends. It depends on the person looking at them, what, how they're going to view it. So I, I think the, yeah, the most successful things check a lot of boxes. Um, okay. Um, I mean, we talked a lot in this conversation about, I guess, a couple of fabrics in particular. I mean, you, again, like the, the Polar Tech Alpha for cold weather and then that Polar Tech Delta for, for hot weather. There's a lot of Greek letters or there's a lot of letters in the Greek alphabet yeah. that we did not talk about, which leads me to believe that Polar Tech is leaving the door open for other things. <laughs> so uh, I guess the last thing I want to ask you is what is next on the horizon uh, from Polar Tech or maybe just in the textile industry in general that you know of? Um, what's next on the horizon for performance textiles? And you know, what will we see you know, five, 10 years down the road? I think you're going to see a lot we're going to see a lot of movement on the sustainability front. We're, we're getting a lot of requests to for more sustainable textiles. Um, that's the, sort of a new performance twist, right? It's not really about comfort, or, or yes, it is about comfort, but yes, we want it to be more environmentally friendly as well. Um, so I, I, that's where you're going to see a lot of advances on the sustainability front. So what does that mean? Increased use of recycled inputs. Uh, more fibers available, recycled, not just polyester, more eco-friendly chemistries for, for some of the enabling technologies that are on our textiles. So say um, odor reduction, um, water repellency, there are, I mean, some, some of those are imminent um, and, and others are going to take a little bit, a little bit longer, better, greener ways to do certain things. And then, and then further out, I think the, uh, the, the industry is looking at the issue of circularity and, and closing loops on textiles. Um, there's a fair amount of clothing waste generated globally, uh, especially you know, some of the fast fashion uh, of, of late. Um, and, and coming up with solutions to, to kind of closing those loops and, and recapturing some of that. So uh, we're not just looking at, at coming up with end of life solutions in textiles. I think that's, that is probably going to be the biggest front and a lot of which uh, Polartex very actively working on um, that's sustainability. Oh, cool. That's good to hear. Yeah. And that, that's definitely something that we have been talking about a lot on our end as well. So. Sure. Uh, sure. Good. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it makes perfect sense for us, right? We're in the, we're in the industry. We're in the, the outdoor cycling snow sports industry um so preserving the playland is is really what what we should all be about cool well karen thanks so much for your time it's really good to hear about you know what's going on about all this stuff basically from the source essentially and uh it's pretty exciting to hear about the things that you have coming up so uh i guess maybe we'll check in with you at some point at a later date and see how all that is going so thanks again 
Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Okay, so we have these fancy fabrics available to us, but cycling apparel is obviously more than just a sheet of fabric. How exactly do those fabrics get turned into things like jerseys and shorts? And what does that decision-making process look like? For that, I turn to Villaggio designer and co-founder, Brad Sheehan. My name's Brad Sheehan, and I am one of the co-founders, the CEO, and uh, head of design at Villaggio. That sounds like a lot of hats. It's a few, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and and actually, can you can you settle something for me? Is it Velocio or Velocio? Because I've actually never gotten a straight answer on this. <laughs> yeah, it does depend on who you ask, doesn't it? Um, I always say Velocio or Velocio. Talk to Olivia, who's our director of sales, and she says Velocio. So yeah, that's. I mean, yeah. Okay. I, I mean, we kind of just let it go with let people kind of pick their own, pick their own way of saying <laughs> well, it. Sounds, it but, it. But it sounds like, I mean, you're one of the co-founders of the company. I mean, shouldn't you have some sort of say into what, into what it's supposed to be? Oh, I have a say. It doesn't mean anyone's going to listen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I, I say Velaccio. All right. Good, good to know. So more I, I'd say that's the more straight. Italian pronunciation, right? The chio. I mean, that's kind of what I had always assumed. Chio. So yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I, th I think I'm going to consider that case settled then. <laughs> uh, well, Brad, thanks so much for being on. Absolutely. Earlier, just a few days ago, I had a really good chat with Karen Beatty uh, from PolarTech. And I'd say a lot of people are familiar with the PolarTech brand just in terms of like, you know, they, they, they did the whole fleece thing way back when. Um, so like people think of PolarTech, I feel like oftentimes in terms of like cold weather outerwear, that sort of thing. But PolarTech has an awful lot of technical fabrics that I feel like a lot more cycling brands have been using in recent years. And uh, you all at Bellaccio, <laughs> and I feel like have been, you know, one of the one of the brands who has been using PolarTech fabrics, you know, kind of more and more for specific purposes. So I kind of wanted to pick your brain a little bit on how the whole relationship works between a textile company and a cycling clothing company. So the first question I have for you, you know, say you've got an idea for a piece of cycling clothing that you want to design. At what point does the fabric factor into the design process? I would say, at least for my process, the, the fabric, it comes in pretty early. You know, when we're looking at building, say, a winter jacket, you know, we're looking at, okay, well, what are, what are all the requirements for that winter jacket? Got to be windproof to be waterproof it's got to be breathable got to have some sort of thermal property to it and then looking at okay what are the best fabrics that are going to address all of those things because some of those are sort of polar opposites and who does the best job in terms of balancing those different aspects um, into one package because especially when you're looking at these multi-layered fabrics like a three-layer soft shell for example where you have it's really a package of fabrics it's not just one particular knit right so it's the combination of those things and how you put them into the garment that makes them do what they do so it's it's a very early part of the process how do you pick a textile or fabric supplier because i mean polar tech is obviously just one uh, I would imagine that you have multiple suppliers aside from just PolarTech. So, 
or, or maybe you don't, but given the range of things that are out there between different companies and, you know, different types of fabrics that they, that even one company would have in their catalog, I mean, how do you begin to sit through it all? Well, yeah, we, we use a number of different suppliers. I think probably five or six pretty regularly uh, work with different mills. And in Italy, most of the Polartech material is coming out of uh, their facility in the U.S. as well as in Shanghai, Japan, um, Switzerland, France, like all over. And really what it is is it's de just developing some fluency in what these different mills offer. And like, where, where do they specialize? Um, what types of materials you're going to get out of there? Certain ones are really great at warp knits. Uh, certain ones are great at woven. Some are great at waterproof breathables. You know, our goal is really to kind of distill that down to a fairly small collection of fabrics that we can use across the line and pick the best ones for the various applications that we need. Brands like PolarTech tend to be differentiated in a few different areas. Like they've been really good about some of their waterproof breathable technology. They obviously put a, uh, a lot of investment in various uh, fleeces. Uh, they have a, a unique structure like with their, their grid-backed fabrics. Um, and then we use a fair amount of their um, Delta line, which is what we use in our radiator jersey and, and some of our other cooling fabrics which is relatively new for a company like PolarTech because I, I think you're right in that they're often known for those like cold weather or insulating type garments, but um, they actually have quite a few fabrics in the kind of warm weather realm of things too. So yeah, I would say that, that we just spend a lot of time working with each supplier and trying, just trying to distill down and, and, and pick the fabrics that are going to work well for the applications we have. Okay. How much does the fabric itself kind of really define whatever it is that you're trying to make? Like, let's, let's say, you know, like, like you said, you use that polar tech Delta fabric for that radiator Jersey, which was designed to be specifically like a hot weather Jersey. How different would that Jersey be with a different fabric? It would be totally different. I think you know, and this is one of the reasons why we use that particular fabric. It's because it's very unique. There really isn't another supplier that I've found, at least, that um, has something similar. And this is what I mean by we we really try and seek out those fabrics that are are going to kind of fit the 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 criteria that we're looking for. If you were to take just the standard like polyester mesh and replace that delta fabric with it you're going to get a totally different jersey. Same with if you were to take a, a rain jacket, put a different fabric on it, it's going to be a completely different jacket. So it is, it's a pretty key factor in both the original development as well as um, how it performs and how it tests and so forth. You said a minute ago that, you know, part of the, part of the magic of all this, I guess, is kind of developing that fluency of fabrics that are out there that you, that you mentioned. How, how did you come about developing that fluency? I mean, because it's not like you can go to some website and say like, you know, fabrics.com, I'm looking for X, Y, and Z. Yeah, it's a lot of research. Um, it's meeting with these various mills. Like I, when the world is normal, I typically travel a couple of times a year to Europe uh, and meet with all of our suppliers there, not only manufacturing, but I go to the mills, meet with the, you know, the the representatives there, walk the, 
the floor of the mill and kind of look at like, okay, what do you got going and talk to them about things that we're looking for too, and develop that sort of relationship and that collaboration over a number of years. I mean, we've been doing this since really since 2013 and over those years have, I think developed some pretty special relationships with a lot of these suppliers to say like, this fabric's great, but have you thought about doing it this way? Or we, we could really use it if it were a little bit lighter or a little bit more breathable or whatever, whatever the factor might be. So it, it does become a very collaborative relationship where, you know, we're always working on iterating on our own product, but we're also kind of working with them on iterating at the fabric level or at the yarn level or at the whatever it might be. Okay. Um, I mean, that kind of actually feeds perfectly into my next question that I wanted to ask you, uh, which is uh, if, if the fabric is such a key component toward making a particular garment what it is in a lot of ways, what is to keep someone from basically just buying a whole bunch of that same fabric from the same supplier and you're kind of like reverse engineering something and just sort of making a similar thing and sort of claiming it that it's just as good for half as much money or, you know, at some discount. I mean, what, what's to keep someone from doing that? You can try. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, of course it's easier said than, than done. Of course. I think you're, what you're asking is really like, what are the, what are the other aspects in making a product? What it is. Exactly. Um, and there are many, many other aspects and it's not just the product itself, but it's, it's the, uh-huh the brand behind it, what it stands for, the community that you build around that brand and the reasons why people would purchase a Velaccio jersey over a competitor jersey. The bar is quite high in in this industry, in the apparel, cycling apparel industry, especially when you're looking at the top, the part of the market that we're in. So, you know, one of the things that we're always trying to do is we're trying to continue to kind of push ourselves to say, okay, we make a really nice, bib short. Um, we'll use like the when our women's bib short as an example. Any any brand can buy the fabric we use for that. It's it's one of the most widely used fabrics at the top end of of um, cycling apparel. However, we put an incredible amount of time and testing in fit and finish and continuing to innovate on the original design. So originally we had a zipper and it worked great. And we got a lot of excellent feedback on that. And we could have just kept it. We could have just said, this is our bib short. But we made that decision of saying like, well, we know we get this better. So even though we're effectively kind of cannibalizing our own product, we're going to continue to kind of innovate and try and improve what we what we do. So you can, as a as another brand, go out and go to the go to whomever and purchase the same exact fabric. But if you're doing that, are you really creating something that's unique and interesting and, and engaging and compelling and, and so forth? So um, I think the other factor in, in this is that a, tip, a fast product life cycle is two years. So, you know, what we have on our website today is something that's effectively two years old in terms of product development. So there, if another brand or, or whomever said, yeah, I can make that same thing. It'll come out two years from now. And at that point, where are we going to be? Right. Fair enough. That's a good point. Uh, I mean, that, that product lag at, at, or I should say that production lag, it, I guess it can some ways 
be, I, I would imagine can sometimes be frustrating in a certain way, but I guess in a lot of other ways, it can almost be a, you know, kind of provide some protection for you then. Yeah. I mean, I, I've sort of become accustomed to it. Uh, and what you start to realize is that when you dig into the whole process, two years is actually really fast and it doesn't feel like a lag. (laughs) 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 It feels like if we don't get this done, like now, then we're not going to have, you know, something for when it's supposed to launch, but it's, it's, it's an interesting kind of thought experiment, at least in, you know, when, when people suggest that, well, this brand has the same product as that brand and somehow like we knew, or they knew, or we're launching this, a similar product at the same time. Like this started two years ago. So the idea that we're able to respond that quickly, is just not the reality of it. Right. One of the things that you mentioned just a minute ago is, you know, how, how the bar is set pretty high, uh, in terms of how good cycling apparel is, especially at the, at the upper end. And these days, I mean, there are quite a few really good brands out there and it does seem like in this day and age, um, you know, like one of the things that, uh, I spoke about with Karen with Polar Tech was how they're spending quite a lot of time lately, um, uh, and a lot of energy devoted to sort of sustainability in the apparel industry. And I know that this is something that Velocio has been looking at quite a bit. And, you know, you said that, you know, it, it seems safe to say that in a lot of ways, you know, doing business is about more than just making good product. Um, like you said, you do. It it does seem like, especially for people who have that sort of disposable income to, you know, spend two, 300 bucks on a pair of cycling shorts, you want to feel good about your purchase and the company that you're supporting as well. Um, You know, we talked on the podcast here not too long ago about how cycling clothing and and most clothing in general actually is pretty much always packaged in an individual plastic bag. Um, And, and I know that Velocio has, has been doing a lot of, a lot of work there on that front, but the reality for most cycling clothing is that the garment itself is essentially a plastic bag in a lot of ways. Um, so what is Velaccio's approach to all of that from a fabric perspective? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I would say first, like um, our kind of environmental impact has been something that's been kind of at the front of our minds since the very beginning. And we can trace that back to like, like you mentioned, the plastic bags that our stuff is packaged, and we've been doing that since within the six first six months of when we launched. We 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 prep we package everything in biodegradable packaging. Over the years, we've worked with those same same suppliers, those same same mills to transition as many of our fabrics from virgin yarn to recycled yarn as possible. So the the uh, currently the vast majority of our line is either fully recycled or the majority of the composition of those garments is recycled or not and or natural fiber. And all of that is, you know, on every single product page, we kind of specify which is which it's something that you're seeing more and more of in the industry. And it's great to see. I think the, the important thing is that people are doing it for the right reasons. I hope it's something that different brands kind of embrace in a, in a more, I guess, progressive way to say it's not for us, like it's something that we're continuing to pursue. It's not like we've sort of checked a box and now we can just kind of go about our, our business. We're looking at how can we, you know, where we're sourcing the yarn? Like, is it, is it 
plastic bottles that are coming out of the Mediterranean and then being shipped halfway around the world to be processed into yarn and then shipped all the way back? Or is it plastic bottles that are coming out of the ocean and processed locally and knit locally, et cetera, et cetera. So it's about kind of the the larger, the whole picture kind of impact of of what these yarns, what these fabrics do. Because it's it's easy to say it's recycled, but when you start taking apart all of the other impacts that it has, it starts to lose its benefit. So we are looking at it in a in a more holistic way. And for me, I think the kind of the ultimate goal here, um, and something I've I talk about fairly regularly is trying to shift the culture, shift the community or the customer mentality more towards really considering what you're buying um, and what what is the cost of that garment to in terms of the impact that it has in getting it to you as opposed to like the monetary cost and whether or not it's going to last you know a really long time or not or how good it is performance wise or so forth but what does it take to get it to you because you know th- that actually is the most significant part of the whole the whole life cycle interesting and how is that sort of thing how can that sort of thing be communicated to people purchasing cycling garments so that they can have some sort of sense as to how that all fits in that's i think the the most challenging part because it's very opaque it's really hard to even for us to be able to trace all those different components you look at a jersey probably has 13 different components in it so tracing every single one of those back to the source and looking at okay well how much you know what's the sort of carbon impact of this zipper and this trim and how much of that trim do you use per jersey and so on and so forth so it's something we're looking into and we're trying to figure out if we can measure that in a in a reasonable way not to get too far off topic but this is something that Allbirds has been working on and something that they actually print on every pair of shoes they sell which is super cool and something that i would be way into trying to replicate for the apparel industry interesting okay well last question i want to present to you um and it's actually a very similar question that i finished with karen's interview as well um, what do you see next on the horizon for uh, cycling apparel textiles? Like, is there anything that you're seeing now that maybe two years from now we'll see be kind of the next innovation as far as cycling clothing goes as, you know, in, in terms of fabric technology? I think bio-based fabrics are, are a big thing that um, I know that's something that we're looking into. And what I mean by that is, is effectively garments that you can bury in the ground and, and they decompose fully. Oh, so yeah, biodegradable yarn. Um, we actually are creating some garments already that are in our line that are 80% biodegradable. So over a period of, I want to say it's three years, they decompose 75% just in normal compost. Wild. And what, what would they decompose into? Uh, just a, it's a, it's an organic material. So it, it just, yeah. Plant food basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Like it can, it can be composted with your normal, you know, with your normal compost. Um, and there are a number of, of suppliers that are working on this type of technology. Um, you're seeing it also in like insulation 
So you may have heard of like Primaloft is working on um, some different, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but in any case, it's it's kind of activated with this uh, sugar-based um, enzyme or something like that. So it's pretty wild. wild. When you huh. think about how like, well, at this point, you know, we're, we have more plastic than we know what to do with, right? So the 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 ability to recycle that and turn it back into yarn that we can then turn into a jersey is great. But it then it becomes much more difficult to recycle that jersey into something else. So how can we incorporate these types of bio-based or biodegradable yarns? Um, into garments so that when they reach their end of life, then they're, they can be decomposed or they can be composted. Wow. That's, that's fascinating. I, I would love to maybe hear some more, look some more into this as, as this technology improves or it kind of gets more mature. That that's, that's amazing. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Well, cool. Good stuff, Brad. Thank you so much for your time. That was really pretty fascinating. I mean, it was good, good, interesting stuff. Cool. Happy to be a part of it. And, and also, perhaps more importantly, we now know officially it is Velaccio. <laughs> all right, so that all sounded pretty straightforward, no? Well, maybe even after all that, you maybe might not feel all that prepared to crack out the sewing machine and start up your own cycling apparel company, but hopefully that at least gave you a little bit of appreciation for the clothes that a lot of us probably take for granted. So the next time you're out on a ride and you're feeling particularly comfortable in what you're wearing, Maybe take a minute to consider everything that went into it because someone else put a lot of thought into those pieces of apparel so that you don't have to. That'll do it for this week's episode of Nerd Alert. Thanks as always for listening. If you liked what you heard, please consider leaving a comment or rating. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And please, please tell all your other cycling friends about Nerd Alert because we do hope to continue growing this community. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week. Bye.